Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Chapter 14, which is Financial Information Technology. I know some of you are accounting students. I know, Rebecca, you're an accounting student, correct? Who else is an accounting student? Okay, got you. So you guys can probably teach me some things about this because we actually had a conversation last week about uh, the way that business presents uh, an accounting formula versus the way it's actually done. And so if we get to the point in the lecture, uh, if I mess it up, just straighten me out on that because I don't do accounting. Uh, but I do have, we do have several videos throughout the lecture that goes into it. And just going to go into talking about the learning outcomes. And so I think everybody can understand why it's important to know some things about accounting and why it's important for businesses to be able to track their expenses, to track uh, their revenues of, of inflows of cash. And you do not have to be an accountant to have a basic knowledge of inflows and outflows. Some of the most successful business people I know personally uh, are not math geniuses or accountants, but they understand revenues, expenses, and profits and loss. They get that. It's, it's, it is, it, accounting is complicated, but it doesn't have to be from an entrepreneur standpoint or a business manager standpoint. The role of an accountant in a business is very important. Um, depending on the size of your organization, you may not have an in-house accountant. You may outsource that to a CPA but they very much are vital to your business because they can tell you, hey, this is what you're tracking, this is what your projected uh, you know, revenue is, projected profit loss. And so you can kind of get a forecast as to, if I continue to do the same thing we're doing right now, we're gonna have this kind of year, be it good or bad. And so if I know, if I feel like things are gonna continue the way they are now, do I want to set myself up over the next year to have a terrible year, or do I need to cut and run right now? Sometimes, and this is, uh, this is a hard reality, sometimes the hardest decision to make in business is to, is to stop, is to close. Like, you see, uh, we watched Shark Tank last, last Tuesday, and I like Shark Tank, and I think you guys should watch it a lot on your own because it gives you a sense of what's happening in reality in, in the real business world. And you see some really dire situations where the entrepreneur went way too deep. There was one example this is a terrible example, but I'm gonna tell you about it. This guy wanted to get involved in an app. He wanted to be involved in the, the tech revolution. So he and his partner started an app that was an, uh, an alert app. So if you were alone, like out at night, and you felt like you were being stalked or something bad was gonna happen, you could press one button and it would send a text to all your emergency contacts. It would notify 911 of your location and all these other things that it did for you. Um, and so, he put $3 million of his personal money into this company and nobody thought the idea had merits, you know, and I read about what happened after the fact. In fact, I think I, I looked into it last week because it was very recent that I looked into it. He actually committed suicide. Um, he went, not only did he sink uh, $3 million, he sunk another $6 million of investor money into this project that it went belly up and he ended up taking his own life. So, um, I believe that if somebody had forecast for him earlier and said, look, this is not a viable thing that you're doing, you know, more money is not going to solve this problem, 
uh, things might have worked out differently. You know, so accounting, I know that was a, a very macabre story, and I'm sorry to lead with that, but I think accounting can give people insights that they might not have otherwise because most entrepreneurs are not accountants. They're not financial literate. They just understand sales, they understand costs, and they understand profit and loss. But if we can see a forecast, okay, if you're just making it on this razor-thin margin every month, uh, what's going to happen if you have a major expense or what things are coming up that are going to be problematic for you? It can just help you start to think in a more logical, systematic approach, and that's what accounting is. It's a logical approach to information. So the learning outcomes, why are financial reports and accounting information important, and who uses them? What are the differences between public and private accountants, and how has federal legislation affected their work? What are the six steps in the accounting cycle? In what term does the balance sheet describe the financial condition of an organization? How does the income statement report a firm's profitability? Why is the statement of cash flows an important source of information? How can ratio analysis be used to identify a firm's financial strengths and weaknesses? And what major trends affect the accounting industry today? So a lot of good content. Um, And so generally, the accounting system is being able to classify, summarize, and analyze data, prepare or synthesize reports to present that data, and use financial reports to evaluate the firm uh, and make decisions. And so in a public accounting situation, especially with a public company that's trading on a New York York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ or any public market, um, they're required by law to report accurate and transparent numbers. Uh, The people that sign off on that paperwork are bound by law to report the numbers as they present, even even if they're bad, because they have a duty to say to the investors, this is where we're at. No, take it or leave it. This is the numbers, uh, be it good or be it bad. And there's not supposed to be any, like, playing with those numbers, you know. Um, there's a great documentary to show in here, which I probably won't get an opportunity to show it. It's called Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Does anybody familiar with Enron? Enron was an energy company that existed a couple decades ago, and they were a marquee company. People knew what Enron was. How about WorldCom? Does anybody know what that is? Okay. So Enron, going back to that story, they created a new accounting system, which basically they booked future profits on today's P&L statement, profit and loss statement. And it was like voodoo accounting. And the investors ate it up because it looked like these guys were doing a smash-up performance, right? But in reality, some of those profits never manifested. You know, they just never, they never came to fruition. And so what ended up happening is they had to further play with the numbers in order to keep the narrative going. Hey, we're successful. We're successful. Look at us. We're successful. And so when you open the door to doing things that are unethical, it leads to, like you've heard that expression, if you tell a lie, you have to tell another lie to cover that lie up, right? The same thing's true in accounting and in business. Uh, you just, if you open yourself up to an ethical dilemma, it's going to lead to another ethical dilemma down the road in order to keep supporting that. And you see this time and time again, Bernie Madoff, does that name ring a bell? Yeah, so Bernie Madoff is famous or infamous for the largest Ponzi scheme ever perpetuated in the history of the United States. He was basically, he had built trust of, an, of a community to say, hey, invest with me because I'm going to earn you a, a good prop return and your money is going to be safe and secure with me. And 
he at one point started taking losses, and in order to cover those losses up, he didn't report it. He just took in new money, and he started taking in more and more money, and that was basically robbing Peter to pay Paul, but eventually Peter wants his money back, right? And so you run eventually run out of other people's money to keep that scheme going. And when it was discovered, it was multi-multi-billions of dollars that this guy had lost. And uh, it, when the 2008 financial crisis happened, he couldn't hide the truth anymore. There was just too many people wanted their money back, and he didn't have it to give them. And so it began this cascading effect that led to him being in prison for the rest of his life, and he just did die in prison in the past few years. So um, we want to keep things honest, transparent, and on up, up. And probably I haven't taken accounting. I have taken accounting class, but I've not taken the accounting major. But I would say that Ms. Cox or Ms. Hinkle would probably tell you, like the foundational principle of accounting is honest, transparent numbers. Would you agree with that? Is that kind of what they present? No matter what the numbers are, that you want to present those, what they are. Go ahead. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and so that just needs to be like, you need to be unapologetically transparent. Like, this is what it is. The numbers don't lie. And, you know, present it as is. Because you have to sign off on these reports, basically legally binding you to those, to those documents. And so, all right. So reports provided by the accounting system. And so we have internal reports and we have external financial reports. And so the internal reports are tools that we can use to make managerial decisions. Things like sales reports, production cost reports, and other detailed financial reports. Um, we don't know exactly what, how many Apple Watches um, Apple sells, or we don't know exactly how many iPads they sell, or any of other of their devices. They don't publicly disclose that information because those are internal sales reports. Um, and they do that for competitive reasons. They don't want you know, everybody to know how much they're selling. And plus, if they said, you know, it might garner some resentment from customers. Oh, you guys are selling 90 million of these a year, and yet you're raising prices on me. I don't, I don't know how much I like this, that you're doing that. So they, they do it for competitive uh, reasons, but they still have to report some of that data to the, Republic, uh, to the public. And so things like balance sheet, income statement, and statement of cash flow show has to be disclosed to the public so you can see the, the overall numbers, the pooled money, but you can't see the individual breakdown. I would love to see that. But the same thing's true for a lot of companies. You don't see all the internal metrics. You only see uh, what they're legally required to show you, and sometimes a little bit more. So just know there, are, there is a, a internal and external reporting system that happens. And so the accounting cycle, this was one of the learning outcomes. And so analyze business transaction documents. So generally, when you have a company that has transactions, uh, they're going to be pulled into a large database. And it's up to the accountant to pull those out. And so record business transactions in a journal, post journal entries to a ledger. And so you have to sort through that data and put it into uh, a ledger in order to prepare the trial balance. And this will give you financial statements. It will tell you, uh, you know, what your, uh, basically your revenue streams are, what your uh, balance sheet is going to look like, and any other financial documents that you need to repair. And then once the accounting department has prepared those documents, then it's time for analysis. And in the case of a public company, the public, the investors, anybody, you can pull up what's on as a prospectus and look at uh, these financial documents and analyze them for yourself to see, you know, 
what, what this looks like. I was looking at a company recently. It's a Canadian-based company, uh, technology company, and I went and looked at their prospectus. And right now, they're operating at a loss, which is not uncommon, especially for a new company. They, they have a, a heavy round of investing in the beginning to raise a lot of money, uh, but they haven't reached profitability yet. The idea, though, is that once they have their infrastructure in place, uh, they will reach a, a break-even point and a hope, hopefully uh, profitability. But it's not uncommon for a large technology company to operate at a loss because they're spending so much in the beginning on infrastructure and building. Uh, but the, the gamble is, as an investor, is that at some point they do reach a level of profitability. And so um, this is generally, once again, the six steps we go through. Um, the other piece of that from, a, from the public is the actual managerial analysis. And so the internal management team has to look at these documents and derive meaning from them. They have to be able to uh, extract what they should be doing uh, in order to uh, make the company more viable. I'll tell you the quick hack for this that I share with all my students is, if you wanna look good on paper, you need to do two things, and this will help the accounting. Uh, raise sales or raise revenues and lower costs. That's the easy math. If you can lower your cost and raise your revenues, you'll look like a genius, and those are the two metrics you need to focus on. Uh, because raising sales or revenues is going to increase cash flow. Cash flow doesn't necessarily mean profitability, but if you're keeping your costs lower, it might lead to more profitability. So every circumstance is different. But, uh, yeah, that would be my advice to you if you're a manager, if you walk into the door and they ask you, how are you going to increase profit for the owners? So I'm going to focus on increasing sales and lowering costs. And what's a very quick way to lower costs? Anybody have any ideas? Quick way to lower costs in an organization. Get materials locally. Get materials locally. What's quicker than that? Slash payroll, right? So payroll is a big part of many organizations. When you've got an organization that's got one, two, three, four, five hundred employees, yeah, I mean that's a huge like ob obligation that you have uh, every month, and so. That's what's known as a controllable expense because you control how many hours these people work, right? How much, how much outgo you got. So if you're trying to trim payroll, instead of everybody working a 40-hour work week, you might say, look, for a little while, everybody's going to be working 35 hours a week or 30. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, just every, by everybody taking a, a five-hour cut, I mean, that's a major, you know, that's over 10% reduction in payroll right there. And so... That 10% reduction that goes out every week can now go straight to profit. You know, if you're not having to pay it out, that's that's another that's another line item that will that will increase your profitability. So, um, any questions on any of that that we got into so far? Okay, there is a video we're gonna watch, and then we're gonna discuss that a little bit more. If I can pull it up, I say I am. There we go. Here we go. If you heard the term data analytics in conjunction with the accounting profession, we're hearing it more and more in terms of the skill we think accounting students and accounting graduates need to succeed in the profession. So in today's video, I'm going to talk about what is data analytics, um, why it's important for your career, and free tools 
software and courses that you can use to skill up in this particular area. Let's get into it. Dr. Amanda White here. For those who are returning, hi, it's great to see you again. For those who are new, my name is Dr. Amanda White. I'm a chartered accountant. I have a PhD in behavioral audit. I teach accounting and audit at university. And I'm a real advocate um, and I'm really passionate about accounting as a career and one that's open to everyone. So today I wanted to talk about something that is really important for accounting students and graduates, or those looking to come into the accounting professional, growing up their skills in the accounting profession, and that is data analytics. Now, what exactly is data analytics? It's really using financial and non-financial data to help companies make better decisions. Now, you might be thinking, hang on a second, haven't we already been using data in accounting forever? That's absolutely true, because we've been using data in the accounting profession since Pacioli, right? since the time of double entry bookkeeping. We've been using accounting data and non-accounting data to help firms make decisions. Now, why are we talking about data analytics today um, when we've been doing it all this time? Well, really, it's the significant volume of data. We're certainly hearing the words big data, or if you're in the United States or North America, you'll hear big data. Um, that is, is really what's changing things. We're collecting data and it's accessible about all sorts of different things. Buying habits, um, web browsing habits, where we're making our phone calls, what we click on on Instagram, what goes in our shopping carts. So there is so much data available now because of the computerization of systems. Now I'm gonna put a link here to a great video by Professor Julie Smith-David. She is one of the pioneers really um, in this area, she's talking about big data and um, Professor Bill McCarthy from Michigan State University have been talking about computerization and accounting data and all of that for a really long time. But Julie has a really great video from an American Accounting Association seminar a number of years ago about big data, as the Americans call it, and why it's always been a thing for us as accountants. So for accountants, this is nothing new. We're just learning about different contexts in which it can apply. Now, of course, in terms of study options, you could choose to do an entire degree on data science, data analytics. And if you're going into that data science, data analytics area, there's certainly lots of programming. So most data analytics courses will get into programming in things like R and Python to be able to analyze data. But what I want to talk about today is really more the smaller scale free stuff that you can get into. Now we can use all sorts of things and tools for data analytics. The simplest one is Excel. Everybody knows Excel. Um, or hopefully you I know can Excel. use There's that. lots of channels on YouTube where you can learn about Excel, but Excel is probably the basic one. In terms of tools and free courses with Excel, I'm going to link you to Wendy Teets. She is a professor at Kent State University in the US. Hi Wendy, she and I are friends. She has a great little YouTube tutorial about how you can use Excel for data analytics. And check out her website as well. There's plenty of information there about how you can use to learn Excel for data analytics yourself. On top of Excel is a tool called Power BI, and that's developed by Microsoft. Now, Power BI on your desktop, um, a single individual license, is absolutely free. 
And if through your institution or through your professional association, you've got access to LinkedIn Learning, which is the uh, new name for lynda.com, there's probably plenty of free courses that you can do inside LinkedIn Learning that will help you learn Power BI. There's also some Power BI for accountants that are out there. I'll put everything that I found that's useful for you in the description so that you can go and check it out. The Power BI is free. It's really just an amped up version of Excel. Another option that's really popular these days is a product called Tableau. Now, Tableau does cost money, but if you're a student or you're an educator, you'll get a free 12-month license by writing to Tableau, providing them with your student details, and then they also have some training and tools um, and free courses that you can do to learn Tableau at its power as a data analytic and data visualization tool. Another piece of software that's really common in the audit space when it comes to data analytics is a tool called IDEA. And IDEA is not new. IDEA was a tool when I was an auditor more than 20 years ago, and certainly beefed up a lot since then, but it is the original data analytics tool for audit, besides the proprietary software owned by um, the big four and the second tier firms. IDEA is not easily available. Some universities will have licenses to IDEA through their institution, but there is the ability to actually contact IDEA and the company that makes IDEA Caseware if you're a student to be able to get access to a student license and free student training resources. That's something worth looking into if you're specifically looking at a tool that um, a lot of audit firms do use. The tourism industry is really about experiences. It's about moving. The next tool I have for you for learning about data analytics is an absolutely free, is it a free virtual internship through KPMG and a program called Inside Sherpa. You'll get an idea of KPMG's data analytics methodology. It's a free online course. You get a little certificate of completion at the end. Um, and that's open to everyone, anyone. You don't need any special software for it. Um, it's all contained within the website. Inside Sherpa offers virtual internships on all sorts of different things so that you can try and gain some experience if you can't actually get off campus and you're a student or you can't get into an audit practice. Now that's not quite the same as real hands-on internships, but it's a really good place to start. The very last item I have for you in the free ways to learn data analytics is PwC's Coursera course on data analytics. Now that course is free to audit. And audit just means you get to sit in and do the exercises, but you don't get any feedback. Of course, if you want to do the assessments, you can pay for that to get a small micro-credential type of certificate that will show up on your LinkedIn learning. Why is it important that we learn about data analytics? Well, we know that data is going to drive more and more decision-making. It's going to go into algorithms that will help predict what we need to buy, where we need to go, um, public transport, schools, health, help us identify disease outbreaks. So data and the use of data is becoming ingrained into everything that we do every day. So from an accountant's perspective, understanding how to use the data we have access to to help improve corporate decision making or non-corporate decision making if you're working for a social enterprise, that is going to be really important because more and more of accounting is becoming automated. We know that um, a lot of graduate positions 
are sort of shrinking in terms of numbers because of the automation of accounting. So we need to find other ways that we can add value to the business. And one of those ways is using data to help us tell a story. What has been happening? Where should we go? What could we do? So data analytics is going to be one of those really important tools for the future. Now, if you have any other good free resources for learning data analytics, I'd love to hear about them, and I'll add them to my list here. But as always, if you haven't already, consider subscribing to get all the latest news and accounting content. If you thought the video was useful, really appreciate a thumbs up. You can catch me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. At smash that like button. Should we smash the like button for her? I don't know. I think I, oh, I'm already signed in. So, God, this is this is crucial. I don't know if I should do it. I, I'll do it. I'll give her the smash the like. So, all right. Um, I want to speak to what she just talked about before we get, like dissect the video. Well, I guess we're jumping into it. But she mentioned the KPMG free resource uh, inside Sherpa. Um, I actually have taken three free micro credential courses. I did one last fall. I did one last spring. Did one this fall through AQ and uh, ACE, which is the American Council on Education. It's a micro-credential. It actually, if I take one more, I'll get a certificate issued by this national accreditor. And it's, I mean, it's not the same as a certificate like you would get at a community college, but it's, it has weight uh, on my Vita or resume. And so um, I can't stress to you enough how awesome it would be for you guys to do these micro-credentials and things like this, because it does make you stand out in the workplace like for example let's say you get that associate degree and you go apply for a job and they say well you got the associate but this other candidate has additional credentials that they've continued their education with as an example teachers go to school to learn a discipline so i went to school to learn business but i didn't necessarily go to school to learn about teaching and so my micro credentials are all about what it takes to teach. You know, it talks about engagement in the online classroom. It talks about inclusive uh, classrooms. It talks about student-centered courses and things like that. So anything you can do to give you an edge in the marketplace, I highly encourage you to do it. And so one of the best pieces of, of career advice I ever got was always be developing your resume. Every, every year, every month, you want to be updating it, thinking about things you can do to enhance your resume because when it comes down to it in that crucial moment of, hey, I want to apply for this job, um, you want to be a top candidate. You want that opportunity to go interview and, and talk to those people because, I mean, it can be the difference between no raise and a 20 or 25% raise if you get a promotion. So uh, you want to constantly be developing your resume. And so I just highly encourage it. So data, data analytics is what this video is about. And she talked about accounting is becoming more and more automated. So where's the value? Data analytics and being able to interpret data and explain uh, what it means because it's great to have data, but data in raw form has no value. Data being processed and interpreted has a lot of value. Um, can you imagine one day, I know uh, that Peyton is at Walmart, but one day we'll have AI that will say, hey Ryan, it's time to go grocery shopping. This is what you selected last time. Is this, is this okay? If, if so, we'll go ahead and fill your order for you. We'll have AIs that will do that for us, and we won't have to go grocery shopping, you know. And so, like, it'll go ahead and order our essentials. It'll know because of like smart appliances that hey, your milk is low. We'll go ahead and order that and have it delivered for you this afternoon, you know. So, what time would be good for you? I mean, all these things are going to start happening automatically, and we won't have to 
act physically think about it or you know actually think about it that's what that's the next evolution of the internet is all these things telling us eventually the smart watches we wear i left mine charging but we'll say you know we're detecting some unusual uh physiological things going on with you you know they'll be able to tell us more and more you know like right now if you're having a heart issue your your watch can alert you to that can't predict a heart attack but it can let you know that you're having a an irregular heartbeat or something like that so more and more it'll be able to tell you soon if your blood sugar is too high or too low things like that so really really interesting stuff so what kind of takeaways did you have from this video on data analytics I'll let you talk for a minute go ahead don't everybody jump in at once I keep looking at that clock thinking it's going to tell me the time but it's it's obviously wrong so Anything interesting you derive from this? I think the good takeaway for me is that there's more to accounting than numbers. Uh, when you talk about data analytics, we're getting into predictive models. That's what she's talking about. How every day of the year in this part of the world, that uh, we can have systems that will tell us, you know, how much gas we'll be consuming, how much uh, food we'll be purchasing, where we'll be purchasing things, you know. It's, it's getting more and more, like every time you click on something on the internet, the, that is a data, it's gathering data. Google can tell you everything you've ever clicked on and searched for, and eventually we'll have more and more sophisticated AI that can actually develop personality profiles. How crazy is this? Think about how nuts this is. They'll be able to predict sociopathy in individuals based on like internet patterns. They can say, this person's a sociopath. <laughs> I mean, based on, you know, all these different models. I mean, they can, they can actually identify personality types. So this person is an introvert. This person is an extrovert. You know, that's, I think that's pretty fascinating and a little scary. So, all right. So data analysis. With how, many, uh, with how many of these are you familiar? Probably Excel for sure, but what about Tableau or others? Was there any other thing she mentioned that you were already familiar with? No? Okay. So not only are these tools uh, highly useful for accountants, but you may wish to check uh, out each analytic platform and consider learning about them to further your value as a business professional. So imagine you have an associate degree, but you can also say, you know, I have experience doing this, that, and the other. I mean, most people say Excel, Office Suite, you know, 365. That's not really, that's considered to be something that's like speaking, you know, speaking and writing. That's, that should be common knowledge for a business student. But if you could say, I also have experience doing this, that, and the other, like for me, go ahead. Did you know that you can get Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and access certified? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. I'm certified for everything, but I Okay. Um, did you, do, was it a free course? Yeah, I was able to take it at my high school. Yeah, that's excellent. And see, that's a value add. That's something that you'll have forever on your resume. Um, I, you know, anytime that I have a new learning uh, management system, like we have Moodle here, but I have experience messing with Blackboard, Genzabar, um, uh, Sakia, Educator, and several others. I've messed with Cengage. And so all that is value-add because I can talk about all these different learning models and explain to people, you know, some of the pros and cons of each, you know. So, all right, we'll talk about a little bit more before we uh, take a break for today, but... So what is the balance sheet and what are the three main categories of accounts on the balance sheet and how do they relate to the accounting equation? So what is the balance sheet? Anybody want to take a crack at that? 
What's that? Equity, yeah. So the I talked to Ms. Cox about this, and this is where I'm probably going to butcher it, but um, I believe the business presents it as assets minus liabilities equals owner's equity, but I believe in accounting it's assets plus liabilities. Is that correct? Assets equals owner's equity minus liabilities? Okay, well, it's the same equation, but it's just flips. You know, the, the number comes out the same both yeah, ways. She told, she yeah. What? So, like, owner's equity in business, it's uh, assets minus liabilities, right? But in accounting, it's assets, assets equals, equals owner's liabilities, liabilities plus, equity. plus equity, yeah. Okay. And the math works out the same either way. But for accounting purposes, this is the formula they use. And so um, what we talk about with this is assets are what? Um, assets are good things of value. Cash, Cash uh, properties, buildings, equipment, things like that. Mm -hmm. Things that have intrinsic value, right? What are liabilities? Thank you. Like debt. Debts, right, or things that you owe, you know, like uh, accounts payable. And so... Uh, accounts payable are things that you owe money to. You know, I've got to pay this, you know, I have this expense for supplies or whatever it may be, and so I owe this. And so that would be a liability. And so owner's equity is what? How much it's worth at the end of the day. So let's, let's look at both these equations. At the top one, OE is what we're trying to solve for. So let's say we've got... 10 in assets, this is just a random figure, and our liabilities are eight, are eight, so the OE in this equation equals two, right? Does that make sense? So a positive two. Um, let's do it the other way around. So assets uh, on this is 10, and our liabilities are eight plus OE. So how do you, how do you solve for this, right? You subtract eight, right? Two is what you get. So the math is the same, either equation, it's just how, you know, one system looks at it, you know. I'm fine to look at it this way, especially since I'm not an accountant and I don't mess with it anyway much, so. But yeah, as long as the math's the same, I mean, however you get to that number, uh, that's, that's fine. But for accounting purposes, you're gonna use that second equation, so. All right, any questions about anything we've talked about so far? This has kind of been kind of a brief introduction to accounting. When we come back on Thursday, we'll recap, and there's a couple more videos, and we'll wrap up Chapter 14. If you guys anything in the meantime, shoot me an email. Uh, don't forget about homework. You guys are doing a good job with that for the most part. Only got a couple weeks left, so hang in there. And I'll see you guys next Thursday, okay, a couple days.